All right, good morning, guys. Welcome to the Tuesday morning training call. Morning. If everybody can do me a favor, <clears throat> place your phones on mute for me, please. Um, that way we don't have any background noise and, and everybody can listen and take notes on the call here. Um, so thanks for everybody um, taking, taking time out of your mornings uh, to jump on this. Uh, hopefully you guys are, are getting some value out of these bi-monthly calls. Um, make sure if, if you're in a position to do so, you are taking notes. Uh, these calls will be recorded and, and put back on the podcast. So if you guys want to want to reference back, uh, the podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, the, the podcast is called Elevate. You can just type in V3 Electric and find the podcast no problem. Um, hopefully everybody is in, in full-blown tournament mode right now. Uh, so if, if I can just get 30, 45 minutes of, of your undivided attention and then you guys can get back to, to push in for the, uh, the victories there. Um, just a, a quick plug for everybody with uh, V3 University. Make sure you guys are uh, circling back to that. There's a lot of new training that's getting uploaded. Um, I, I know that uh, you know we talk a lot about the value of, of training for anybody in SoCal that made it out to the Elevate event. Uh, you know, Tom spent a lot of time talking about the benefits of of not only training your team well, uh, but being trained well essentially so make sure you guys are utilizing the tools that we have for you um, in, in order to make yourselves more successful um, so I want to jump in today um, I, I want to talk about optimism um, and I want to I want to do kind of a deep dive on this um, and and maybe kind of change some people's perspective and and hopefully for anybody on the call that may not be as optimistic as they need to or, you know, are, are deploying the, the wrong kind of optimism, um, we can get you, get you on course here. Um, I, I think, and, and there's a lot of people uh, that would agree that optimism is actually one of the single, single greatest factors in what makes someone successful, um, especially in a sales organization. Uh, and just one more reminder for you guys, go ahead and place your phones on mute. Uh, even if you think you're on mute, double check, make sure you, you are in fact on mute. Give everybody a second. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, not quite. Double check your phones for me, guys. <clears throat> cool. I think, oh, I think we got it. All right. Um, so th the way that I like to, to define optimism is, uh, basically the, the expectation, um, or, or the, you know, the judgment that you can do certain things in the future. Um, I think it's really important uh, for anybody in this organization to have, have a healthy dose of that type of optimism um, because we're, you know, we're all in tough jobs. We're in tough roles, tough positions. It doesn't matter if you're a new rep um, and, and you're learning how to sell, you're learning how to knock doors, you're learning how to get past the nose. Um, or if you're, you know, an assistant manager and you're building your team for the first time, um, or maybe you're, you're an experienced assistant manager and you're, you know, dealing with <clears throat> rebuilding, you know, which, which a lot of folks have dealt with in the, in this organization. Um, or if you're a manager opening your own office, you know, all of these things are, 
are very challenging and they can be very taxing on people. Um, so you have to develop the right mindset around that. And, you know, it's very, very powerful to have the right mindset and, and to kind of, you know, visualize your success. Um, but not only that, but kind of, kind of visualizing, well, what if this doesn't work out and you know, what's my, what's my plan of attack there? Um, so not, not all optimism is created equal. Um, let me kind of share this, this concept. Some of you guys may have heard of this, um, for anybody that's read the book, uh, or read any books by Jim Collins. Um, he's, he's wrote some great books, good to great, uh, turning the flywheel built to last so on and so forth. He makes an example of what he calls the Stockdale paradox. Um, it's probably a perfect example of, of this kind of healthy balance of, of optimism um, managed with, you know, expectations. Um, so he talks about James Stockdale, hence the name Stockdale Paradox. Uh, James Stockdale, uh, he's, he's a former vice president, presidential candidate. Um, during the Vietnam War, he was a very high-ranking uh, naval officer, and, and he was flying his plane um, you know, basically over, over some enemy territory, he took some fire, he had to eject from his plane, um, parachute down, he landed in a, a small remote village uh, in Vietnam and was, was almost immediately taken captive. Um, he was, he was brutally beaten, um, held prisoner, you know, held as a prisoner of war for a very long time, uh, over seven years. Um, which is hard to wrap your, your head around, right? It's, it's hard to wrap your head around just being incarcerated for seven years, let alone being incarcerated in, in enemy territory as a prisoner of war. Um, and he was, he was one of the highest ranking naval officers in the prison camp. So a lot of people, you know, would, would go into this um, one of two ways. One would be just severe pessimism, uh, all hope is lost, you know, I'm never going to get out. This is, this is where I'm going to die. Um, which, which frankly was the case for some of the POWs in that camp. Um, the other end of the spectrum, which, you know, James Stockdale referring back on his experience in the, the POW camp, um, said that, you know, those were actually the people on the other end of the spectrum that were overly optimistic that typically didn't survive. And it's kind of an interesting, you know, phenomenon. They, they would, um, you know, they would constantly, uh, you know, around this time of the year, actually, because we're, we're coming up on the end of the year, they'd be like, yeah, we're, we're for sure going to be out by Christmas time. And Christmas time would come and go. Well, we're, we'll for sure be out by the new year. The new year would come and go. We'll be out by Easter. Hey, guys, mute out for me, please. Um, can everybody please mute their phones? Or if you know who's talking, send him a text. Ask him to mute out. Um, so during during this horrific period, Stockdale was he was repeatedly tortured. Um, he had no reason to to think he would make it out alive. Um, he found a way to stay alive by embracing both the the harsh reality of his situation uh, with a balance of of healthy optimism. So he explained the idea. Um, as, as follows, basically, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, um, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most beautiful, 
brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Um, this is a very extreme circumstance, very extreme situation, but this is a concept that we can all apply uh, to, to our lives and to our, to our jobs. And when we're going through tough things, when there's um, you know, challenges that we're facing, maybe we're having a, a tough week uh, you know, with sales, maybe we're, we're having a rough go with, you know, building that team or, or managing that team or whatever it might be. Um, you have to have that optimism that, Hey, this is, this is going to work out in the end. Uh, but you have to have that counterbalance of it. It might not. And, and the way that I've, you know, kind of deployed this, uh, personally is to kind of, you know, hedge to protect against failure, to use it as a tool to kind of motivate me. Um, if you have an, an overabundance of optimism, you know, you're likely to, to treat the situation as, well, things will work out, things will get better. Um, I don't really need to take any, you know, any preventative measures. I don't need to work harder. Um, things are all going to work out in the end, right? That's the, the wrong kind of optimism. Um, in, in the simplest terms, this idea is, is um, you know, planning for, for the best, you're pushing towards the best possible outcome. Um, you're setting these big, hairy, audacious goals, um, but you are you are preparing for the worst, and you have systems and plans in place to to prevent uh, that or to to kind of you know work in your favor there. Um. So, this is uh, I mean, this is this is a duality. Or this concept that'll help you guys protect against failure. Um, we'll all fail at, at different positions. And when I was kind of thinking about, you know, what to talk about on the call uh, today, last night, um, I I was I was a little cautious about actually going into this point because I don't want people to think that um, you know that that the goal is to swing too far towards pessimism or towards this lack of optimism, um, or, or to treat it like, you know, yeah, well, who, you know, who, who cares or, or even having this idea of, of hope, you know, and, and that's an idea that came up a lot. Um, you know, as, as you listen to James Stockdale talk about his experience, um, was this concept of hope. Uh, I'm actually not a huge fan of, of that, you know, uh, when, when I talk to a rep and they're like, yeah, I'm really hoping to get a couple deals <laughs> this month. Um, I, I think that's a terrible way to approach it. You know, blind hope is not gonna is not gonna push you in the direction that you want. Like you have to have a, a goal, a plan, a system, and steps to execute against that. So I'm gonna try to refrain from the use of, of hope, um, but I want you guys to kind of understand, you know, the the point I'm trying to make here essentially. Um, so this. Yeah, this relentless optimism and drive, you know, a lot of people, like I mentioned, will swing one way or the other. Um, if you imagine this on a spectrum, you know, on one end, you have the pessimist that doesn't give any effort. You know, he says, why bother? I, I could fail. On the other side, uh, you have that blind optimism, right? Think of uh, think of like a dog chasing a car, right? The, the dog is not going to catch the car, but the dog continues to chase car after car after car, thinking that it can catch the car. Um, you actually want to you want to operate on a different level. You want to take a different path. 
Um, you want to plan, you want to set goals, you want to systematize, and you want to make, make sure that you prepare um, for failure and how you will learn from that failure. Uh, so we, we recorded a podcast a um, couple weeks back, Peter and I, about that very concept. So I'd encourage you guys to, to go back and, and review that. I think it's episode number two or episode number three of the podcast where we talk about that idea of learning from failure. Um, and I, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that just because that could be a, a whole, you know, podcast in and of, of itself. Um, but I think, uh, just some, some practical examples, like, you know, using this as a tool to drive your, your progress, which I mentioned earlier is something that, you know, I have a tendency to do myself. Um, uh, for those of you guys that don't know, I'm, I'm going to make an example of Jimmy Iovine. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Jimmy Iovine is, um, he's he's arguably one of the most successful music producers of all time. Um, so he's he's worked with, you know, Dr. Dre, Eminem, 50 Cent, the list goes on and on. And he's also the second partner in, in Beats Headphones. So for those of you guys that know uh, Beats Headphones, they were acquired by Apple uh, years back for like, $3 billion. Um, him and Dr. Dre started that, that organization. And Jimmy Iovine, um, has a quote actually on, on one of Dr. Dre's, um, albums, his, his Compton album. That's, that's really stuck with me. And, um, I, I think it does a good job to kind of, uh, explain this point that I'm trying to drive home. He says, I always felt that I had to work harder than the next guy just to do as well as the next guy. And to do better than the next guy, I had to just kill. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's still with me in how I work. You know, I just go in. So this is, this is a really great example with, with Jimmy Iovine of kind of balancing that, that Stockdale paradox, right? Like, there's, there's not a chance that he would have been able to accomplish anything that he set out to. There's no way he would have been able to sell, uh, you know, this this headphone company to Apple for $3 billion, you know, and, and is what's even more impressive is they make these frankly big bulky headphones, uh, which had gone out of style. You know, everybody wanted the, the slick little earbuds that they put in their ears. Um, and so these guys, you know, come through, they, they bring back a style of, of headphones that are not popular and they're able to sell, you know, this, this hardware company, uh, for $3 billion, which all of those things would be impressive, uh, standalone. Uh, but in combination, that's, that's incredibly impressive. Um, you know, these guys would have never accomplished that if they did not have a very healthy dose of, of this, um, you know, right kind of optimism. Um, so, uh, another, another example that we're going to use here, um, is the, uh, Victor Frankel. So this is, uh, again, for those of you guys that were, were at Elevate um, SoCal, uh, this is an example that was made. Uh, the book's called Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankel. Um, Victor Frankel was a, uh, a Nazi uh, concentration camp survivor. Um, he spent many years in, in various concentration camps, um, one of which was, was Auschwitz, which is probably the most, you know, well-known, most, um, yeah, famous, I guess you could say, um, 
concentration camp, sorry. And Viktor Frankl came up with this concept of uh, tragic optimism. Uh, so this concept in and of itself is what helped keep Viktor Frankl alive through, through the hardships that, that he was having to deal with. Um, you know, he was, he was held in this concentration camp. He was stripped of everything and everyone in his life. He was separated from his, his wife and his children. Um, he was denied the basic necessities, um, you know, food, uh, proper shelter, clothing, you know, all these things that, that we take for granted. And he not only survived, but he actually found a will to live through this, this method. Um, this is the power of the right kind of optimism uh, de deployed correctly, right? Um, he, you know, he talks a lot about in, in the book how he would be able to kind of see the people that, that were going to, you know, die, that, that were going to that were going to pass away. Um, you know, he could see it on their faces. And he made a very similar point to what James Stockdale did when, when James Stockdale mentioned that, like, the, the people that were that were overly optimistic that had this blind optimism we'll just we'll call it blind optimism without any sort of plan or system or or any approach in place um, to help themselves they were the ones that that you could just see on their faces you know wouldn't make it past Christmas time um, and and he almost verbatim uh, said the same exact thing that James Stockdale did which is you know the people that were like I'm gonna make it I'm going to make it out by Christmas time um, and had that blind optimism. Those were the ones uh, that actually never, you know, made it out, unfortunately. Um, one of the one of the quotes that he he said and, and I think is, is pretty important for everybody to kind of put into practice is what a man actually needs is not a attentionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for some worthy goal of him. What he needs is not the discharge of tension at any cost, but the call of a potential meaning waiting to be fulfilled by him. So what is what does he mean by this idea? This is the this is the concept that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Um, th there's an idea in 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 biology um, called hormesis. And the idea of hormesis is effectively that. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, so scientists have, have studied, you know, various cells or, or mitochondria or uh, just even human beings as, as an entire organism uh, being exposed to uh, tough situations and, and challenging situations. And they've noticed that there's, there's an immediate negative response um, but there's a long-term positive response, and it actually makes them stronger. Um, there's a, you know, there's like a, a Roman parable about a king who uh, he was he was in at war uh, with the Roman Empire, and this was, you know, I don't know whenever the Roman Empire was was strong. One of my history majors helped me out here, um, and. He, he actually practiced this, this idea of hormesis um, with, with poison, right? And, and, and back in the day, every you know, king and, and you know, higher up person was always worried about being poisoned 
Um, so a lot of people would even have, uh, you know, these, these people that would test their food or their drinks for them uh, before they ate it to, to ensure that they weren't poisoned. <clears throat> and so he took a, an approach of, well, I'm just going to build up this immunity. I'm going to build up this strength against the poison. Um, so he slowly, with, with all different various kinds of poisons, uh, would dose himself in non-lethal doses until he got to the point where he could take a lethal dose of that poison and be unaffected by it. Um, now, the story ends a little interesting because he ends up being conquered by, by the Romans. Um, and, and rather than, you know, having a preference for being conquered, uh, he decides that he'd rather take his life. And uh, unfortunately, he can't because he, he can't poison himself and he can't bring himself to, you know, kill himself by any other means. Um, so the story goes that he actually had to, uh, had to pay somebody to, to stab him with a sword or something crazy. But the, the idea there that, that he was so strengthened by all these little, um, you know, small doses of, of poison, of, of something that your body would naturally reject, that he got to the point where it was actually challenging to, to kill himself. To, to end his life. Um, so the, the idea here is that you guys actually want to seek out um, challenges. You want to seek out tough situations. Um, you want to do the things that are going to challenge you, the things that are going to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, it will make you better. It will help you to be a better rep. It'll help you to be a better person. It'll help you in your, your relationships in pretty much any aspect of life. Um, too many people seek comfort, and that's actually the wrong, uh, that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong goal. Can, can you guys mute your phones for me? Um, you know, so, so ultimately, the, the idea that a lot of people have, like, if you, lo if you ask somebody, hey, mute, mute your phone for me, please. He's not listening. Um, so anyways, the, the idea that like, hey, the end goal is to be sitting on a beach, you know, sipping a mojito, toes in the sand. Um, that's the complete wrong idea here. Like that will not make you, you a better person. You want to have a hunger. You want to strive to be a better person, to make yourself a better person. <clears throat> um, I'll give you guys a, a personal example and then we'll kind of wrap up here. Um, I'm, I'm currently training, uh, to volunteer at a suicide hotline and it's, it's really crucial for me to maintain this balance of the Stockdale paradox or this tragic optimism, uh, example. So I'm, I'm currently going through mock call training. So I, I haven't even, you know, like a fish, I have to do like some crazy, you know, 80 hours of, of training. Uh, before I'm allowed to even handle a, a live call. Um, and I, I, I think I feel a lot like a new rep probably feels um, going through pitch training or going through like, uh, you know, role play or, or even how a new manager feels. Um, basically, you know, kind of unsure of myself, not entirely confident in how to handle the situation, um, worried about messing up, right? The, the only difference uh, 
between what what I'm doing there and what like a new rep might be doing or a new uh, new manager or somebody closing deals on their own for the first time is I I literally have somebody else's life on the line, right? I literally have somebody else's life in in my hands. Um, so I had to make a I had to make a serious commitment to see this project through, um, and and to make sure that I have a certain level of dedication uh, that I can maintain. Uh, for this project, right? Um, really, you know, not much different from any of the commitments any of us, you know, have to make here as it relates to to our careers and, and our jobs and, you know, the skills that we're trying to develop and the skills we're trying to build. Um, and while the, the stakes may not seem as, as high, and, and you guys will notice I'm, I'm actually intentionally using uh, some just far far off examples, right? Um, you know, when we were talking about somebody that was a prisoner of war, somebody that was in a, in a Nazi concentration camp, um, you know, dealing with a, uh, you know, suicidal, uh, person on the other end of the phone that you're trying to, you know, effectively save their life. Um, it, it the reason I'm using those is because it really kind of puts into perspective, like what you guys are doing. And, and we all know that this is a really tough job, you know, and, and I, I had a conversation with a rep just the other day that, you know, was struggling. He was, you know, yeah, man, I, I, I don't even know. I can't, you know, I can't get out there. I can't knock the doors. I, I, I'm worried about having an anxiety attack and, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, you actually want to, you want to seek those kind of situations out is, is the point that I'm trying to make. And they're not, sorry, my headset jumped over. Um, they're, they're not life threatening. They're not, you know, they're not going to kill you, but they will make you better. They will make you stronger. Um, you know, and, and make no mistake here, the reality, uh, of the situation, you know, with the comparison that I'm drawing, uh, between like, you know, volunteering in a suicide hotline or, or working as a sales rep or rep in training or junior rep or assistant manager, manager, um, at V3 is, very similar. Like the, the difference, again, you don't have somebody else's life in your hands, um, but you have your own lives and your own livelihoods in your hands and, and potentially that of your family or families. And, and it's up to ourselves, like each and every one of us, to make ourselves successful um, by leveraging the Stockdale paradox to push ourselves harder every single day. So as you guys are, are going through your day and your week and your, your month, um, I want you to keep that idea in mind. It's, it's something that you can cultivate and you can develop. It's not easy to do, um, especially if you're, you're geared towards one end of the spectrum or the other. Um, but again, you, your goal here is to kind of blaze a new path, blaze a new trail, um, uh, you know, develop that, that tenacity um, use the, the potential for failure or the potential for it not working out to actually push yourselves harder. Um, and, and just real quick, I'll, I'll give an example of how this can swing the other way. Uh, for some of you guys on, on the call that I've interviewed or that I've hired, I, I may have told the, you know, example of myself, uh, part of what's challenging in this role starting out is, is the level of autonomy that you have as a new rep, um, or as a manager or assistant manager. And you have to, you have to be 
extremely disciplined. You have to have that grit to push through um, because it can actually swing the other way. You can, you can actually be successful, um, which I, you know, I, I had that happen to me a couple months in where um, I had this, this hot streak and, uh, you know, I, I made good money during that time. And I thought, well, cool, I can let off the gas. Um, it, it almost was the end of me. It, it almost ruined, you know, my career with the company um, because it's really easy to, to get into that death spiral um, and, and get to the point where like you have to start over and you have to start from scratch, right? It's like, it's like going to the, the gym, which I also experienced recently, where I just stopped going for months and months because I, I was so busy and I deprioritized it. And, and then getting back into it, it's miserable trying to, to, to climb up from that. It might be harder than starting out from scratch um, because you know what you're capable of, right? And if you look at that the same way in sales, if you let off the gas, and, and there may be some people on this call that have actually experienced this, where you let off the gas and, and you try to come back from that and you know what you're capable of and what you've done, and, and you find yourself, you know, in the pit of despair and, and it's hard to pull yourself out of it because, because as a, as a new rep or somebody that's never experienced that, um, you're almost, you know, you're almost default going through this like blind optimism, um, not knowing the, the roadblocks that lie ahead and not knowing the challenges that lie ahead. Um, so, so that's why it's really important to stay consistent, right? And, and that example of, of working out, just to hearken back to my uh, hormesis example, perfect example of a human being going through hormesis, right? You're, you're working out, you're, you're in the gym, you're tearing down muscles, um, you're, you're building them back up, you're making yourself stronger through this process of hormesis. So apply that example or apply that concept of hormesis to, to your jobs, apply it to, to the training that you're undergoing, um, apply it to the discipline that you're trying to apply to yourself and, and don't wait, don't, don't, don't get bogged down in planning your perfect day. Just take action. It's going to be the most effective approach that you can take. Um, that's all I got for you guys this morning. going to keep it, keep it kind of short. Um, thanks for jumping on guys. Um, again, uh, feel free to, you know, revisit this. This will be live on the podcast, um, in the next couple of days. So if you guys want to, uh, review this call or any other Tuesday morning training calls that we've done, uh, and check out V3U for some, some hot new content that Peter's been, uh, uploading. Thanks guys. Bye.